0: And local from the Quarter Shoot Cafe at Emerald Downs. This is the Win Play Show. Now here's your host Joe Withy.
1: Welcome and good morning to the Win Play Show. Quarter Shoot Cafe, eight to nine a.m. Saturdays and Sundays on KJR nine fifty a.m. Joe Withy and Rob Rao here, and uh, breakfast at the wire starting presently down by the wire, the finish line at Emerald Downs. Breakfast at the wire free to attend. It's 8 to 10 every Saturday morning, the rest of this month and all of August. And we are just three weeks and one day away from the
0: 82nd Long Acres Mile. Rob, we're going to play March to the Mile again today. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, yeah, time marches on. We're uh, right around the corner to the big day here with uh, Mile Day, like you mentioned, just a little over three weeks away. Um, really into the heart of the summer. Domar just started this weekend. Saratoga's first day was yesterday as well. Um, We're going great guns and uh, lots of great uh, racing action uh, going on this time of year right now. So very much excited to uh, talk about racing today. And we've got a good lineup of guests as well today, Joe. We do. Al
1: Bernstein's going to join us from Saratoga in just a few minutes. Al spent uh, several weekends at Emerald Downs for several years. He was producers of our uh, Fox Sports Net Stakes broadcasts, and Al has continued to be a sports producer for NBC Thoroughbred Coverage uh, at all the Triple Crown races this year, and uh, they've got a big summer schedule, either on NBC uh, Network Channel or the NBC Sports Channel, that Al was uh, just got a hold of him, excuse me, he was happening to make a uh, pleasure trip to Saratoga today, so we're going to catch up with Al in a few minutes, and He's going to talk about racing in upstate New York, and I, I know neither of us have been to Saratoga, um, and uh, the racing there is fantastic. Boy, I, I heard the commentators yesterday mentioning that all the pick threes were paying over $1,000 yesterday, the dollar pick threes, and uh, a lot of
0: prices, just the contention runs so deep there. There are a lot of contentious racing, uh, races going on there, are 11 races there today. Believe they have a Naira bets pick five carryover. No one is able to hit that. I think you can only play that through Naira bets. But uh, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, the contention runs deep in those races. It's a, it's a, it's one of its own. It's it's an outstanding meet, and uh, they've got some good races there today. A couple stakes there. I know Lady Eli will be the mm. short price favorite there in the Diana, but that's a uh, that's going to be a pretty tough race. Antonos in there as well as well as Dickinson, who I believe uh, beat Lady Eli a little bit earlier on in this year. And then uh, as as long as we're talking about uh, simulcast action and racing across the country, air gates in action today in the San Diga- into San Diego. So um, that's uh, I'm thinking a lot of eyes are probably going to be on uh, focused on Del Mar right around 6.03 p.m. this uh, this late evening.
1: Yeah, about 6 o'clock uh, uh, for the San Diego at Del Mar. And Emerald Downs Racing, 6.30 tonight. Keep that in mind. Two more Saturday night cards here at Emerald Downs. And 6.30 start tonight is 70s night theme, and uh, just as importantly, it's dollar night as well. There's dollar beers, dollar hot dogs, other dollar specials as well. So uh, come on out to Emerald Downs. It figures to be a nice evening tonight. Uh, 12-ounce domestic drafts are a dollar, hot dogs as well. Uh, Programs, chips, small popcorn, fountain drink, drip coffee, all a dollar tonight at Emerald Downs. It's 70s night. You're going to see some... Uh, 70s sports highlights from the Northwest on the big screen. And we're going to have a few uh, recognizable people out as well to the track this evening, uh, sports figures. So we're going to have a good time tonight. Eight races. We've got a couple two-year-old races tonight, uh, More uh, three two-year-old races tomorrow, as well as the Washington Oaks, the feature race of the week three-year-old filly 75 grand on that one in the oaks and uh top qualities back who won the irish day blazing beauty has been running great this year as well she hasn't picked up a win as yet but uh, a strong contender in that mile in an eighth
0: race and you made the morning line for that i, I got to assume top quality morning line favorite yeah i think i had her right around six to five or seven to five uh-huh. blazing beauty right around two to one but uh Daddy always says, "Looks like she might be the controlling speed in there." She is stretching out. She is going in two turns for the first time, um, but there is a very little speed in there. It is a class test for her, but uh, uh, she's got some quality. Um, so mm-hmm. it should be an interesting race. I think. Uh, I think the, you know most people are going to say it's going to be between top quality and Blazing Beauty, but it wouldn't be surprised wouldn't surprise me if Daddy always says was right there at the finish, just because it doesn't look like there's a lot of speed up front early. Joe.
1: Okay, the Oaks is race number nine tomorrow on a ten race card. Breakfast at the Wire going on Saturday night racing at Emerald Downs tonight and Arrogate in action. Steve Haskins going to join us. Uh, What a better guy to talk to about, uh, say, Arrogate's place in the history of thoroughbred racing after only eight starts. Just to recap, uh, I never even really could say I heard of him going into the Travers last year. I know he'd had a couple of wins in the
0: summer in Southern Cal well he hadn 't run in a stake race okay. or actually he had i think he ran in like a, over a three horse field before that, and uh he you know he really hadn't done too much and of course that was just the, his coming out party um, was able to beat the track record uh, won the race uh, against the you know, creator runner. gun runner um, I think American freedom was in there as well who'd ran second by an exaggerator in the Haskell before that, and just left a lot of good horses in his wake and that was very much uh, uh, his his kind cool. of uh, proclamation that he's a very very serious racehorse and uh depending on who you talk to uh you know i I think he's you know one of the best horses of the last 20 30 years i think you have to talk about him there and and there's a lot of people that are willing to say that you know he's he's even much better than that you have to go a lot further back than that to uh to have a horse of his equal i think he's a very special racehorse and i'm glad that we're going to be able to see him race a few more times um, before he goes off to the breeding shed, hopefully, you know, maybe in the uh the Dubai World Cup one more time, and then maybe the Pegasus might be his last race. Yeah, well, put put anybody in the races that Arrogate
1: was bet in, starting with the Travers late last summer, and then go from there with the Breeders' Cup Classic and the Pegasus Cup, the first Pegasus, and the Dubai World Cup, where he didn't get away from the gate well at all, was squeezed back. uh put anybody in there, and, you know, you can't do any better than what he did, and, of course, the money's been inflated from the times of, uh, the
0: 60s, 70s, 80s, but, uh, Irrigate is spectacular. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, you go back to that Breeders' Cup Classic win against California Chrome and California Chrome as an older horse was very, very good. And uh, he was able to get his measure. He beat him twice, of course. California Chrome didn't really show up in the Pegasus, but, you know, he beat him on the the square in the Breeders' Cup Classic and California Chrome ran his heart out. He ran an outstanding race and if if you're going by speed figures, California Chrome, I believe, ran his best figure in that Breeders' Cup Classic, but Irrigate was able to beat him on the square, so... Um, he's, a, he's a very exciting horse, and I'm, I'm sure um, he's, he's one of the many great storylines that we have going on in racing right now.
1: Fantastic. Uh, Steve Haskin will give us some historical perspective there. Steve is uh, one of the most uh, decorated journalists in the history of thoroughbred racing, if not the most. Uh, six Red Smith Awards for Kentucky Derby coverage, two William Leggett Awards. Well, we'll introduce Steve in a while, but uh, Al Bernstein, Steve Haskin and we'll play March to the Mile today. Let's take a short time out. We'll come right back, talk Saratoga racing with Al Bernstein, KJR 9.50 a.m.
2: Now back to the Win Play Show with Joe Withy and Rob Rao on Sports Radio KJR. The Win Play
1: Show. In our 22nd season, right here on KJR, 9.50 a.m., talking thoroughbred racing. Joe Withy and Rob Brown. and uh, it's 8.11. It's 11.11 back east in the good old USA, and a uh, good friend of ours in racing is headed to Saratoga today, and uh, his name is Al Bernstein. Al has been on the WinPlay show several times, and, Made a lot of trips out to Emerald Downs over the years to help produce and be the producer of our stakes broadcasts on uh, FSN and uh, had a good time. He loves horse racing, and he's with us right now. Let's talk to Al Bernstein. Al, good morning. How you doing, Joe and Rob? How you guys doing? Great, great. Good to have you as well. And I uh, just called you... Uh, Looking for somebody to talk Saratoga, and you just happen to say, "Well, I just happen to be going there on Saturday, didn't you?"
3: I'm about twenty minutes away from the track right now.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's that is great. And how long of a drive is it from, say, uh, Manhattan?
3: From Manhattan, it's about four hours. From where I live on eastern Long Island, it's about five and a half. Okay, so so you, it's a, it's a hike. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of a
1: hike, but uh, you've made it many times, and Al. Uh, The Triple Crown Series over, but a lot of great racing. Of course, Arrogate's in action. You saw him in the Breeders' Cup last year, and uh, just a word about him. Did you guys, were you there for the Travers last year at Saratoga?
3: Oh, sure. We did oh, that telecast on NBC, and that was amazing. And uh, we also did the, the uh, Pegasus at Gulfstream, where he was ah. spectacular. You know, so he, he's just one of a kind. I mean, he, he is truly, when they use the word a freak in a racehorse, it's the most positive compliment, and that's what Arrogate is. He, he just uh, stands head and shoulders above everyone
2: else.
1: Yeah, he is okay. uh, the all-time leading money earner in the sport. In just eight starts, and yeah, the Pegasus, Amazing, the on. right? Uh, just uh, you were there for the Travers, and I, I, again, I was just telling Rob in the open. I, you know, if you asked me who Arrogate was, I, is he in Southern Cal? That's about all I could have said. But uh, when he won the Travers, as Rob mentioned, over Gunrunner and Creator, and a big field in the summer derby and he won it by 15 lengths and a new track record and it just didn't stop there he proved his worth uh and uh you'll I'm sure you'll get a chance to see him again what's your schedule as uh, and what's the schedule on NBC network and NBC Sports the rest of this
3: summer that's going to well, keep you we are about to embark on an amazing run of 6 weekends in a row of telecasts on NBC and NBCSN oh. Uh, we start at the Haskell, then we go to Saratoga for the Whitney, then it's the Arlington Million, the Pacific Classic, the Travers, and the Woodward. Wow. So it's quite a stretch of six weeks. Every single weekend we have a show. Then we have a month off until we do the Fall Stars weekend at Keeneland. We do Saturday and Sunday shows there, and then we have the Breeders' Cup, a little thing called the Breeders' Cup, about a month later out at Del Mar. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be an exciting few months.
1: Yes, indeed. You're going to be busy, and it uh, looks like you, I think uh, the Pacific Classic is on Arrogate's schedule. Uh, tentative. It is, definitely, okay. yeah. He's yeah. racing this
3: weekend. That's his prep for it.
1: Yeah. So uh, you just see where that takes him, uh, but uh, it's going to take Al to a lot of different great tracks and uh, historic races over the next several weeks, and Let's talk a little Saratoga. Uh, shoot, I still haven't been there. One of these days it's going to happen, but uh, the racing was fantastic. to get up here, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got to get up. <laughs> the racing was absolutely fantastic yesterday. You know, the competition was so deep, and it's going to continue today, the Diana and the Sanford stakes for two-year-olds, but uh, that's just part of it. Uh, uh, what, what do you, uh, you know, the first couple things
3: you think about when you think about Saratoga, Al? Well, you've never been here, so I'm going to tell you there's a few things that make, make the place special. One of them is the walk of the horses from the barn area to the paddock, which is the most beautiful paddock in racing. They walk, you know, with fences on both sides, but the, the fans are so close they can almost touch the horses, which is remarkable. Then the, the jockeys come back after the race and they walk literally through the crowd. They have a security guard with them, but they stop to sign autographs for little kids and stuff. Sometimes they give them an extra pair of goggles. That's cool. And the last thing, which we always take the newbies to, is the big red spring with the most horrible-tasting mineral water in the world. But it comes from out of that ground, and therefore it's a tradition you have to try it at least once. And those are my three little tastes (laughs) of Saratoga for you. But the the other thing is the racing. And uh, the racing part of it, Joe, is just amazing. And the reason why is because trainers from all over the country invade this place trying to make their mark and yesterday you saw an example of it with brendan walsh um who came in from kentucky with a horse named proctor's ledge and, and won the uh lake george and and you're going to see more of it i mean there's guys that are going that were never a factor at saratoga who are going to be big uh, who are going to make their mark if not this year eventually and i'm talking about it A guy like Robertino Diodoro who has a a barn up here this year. Wow, Uh, Brad Cox, who has been here before, but is going to really, you know, be more and more of a factory. He's getting more high-profile owners now. And then even today in the seventh race, there's a horse from Ben Colebrook, who I think is one of the best young trainers in the country. And he shows up at Saratoga in the seventh race with a horse named Vici. So those guys are guys you don't think of in the Saratoga context, and yet they're trying to make their mark. And then, of course... You go to the standbys, you know, Chad and uh, Todd. And uh, Chad Brown has the best barn in the world right now. I mean, he's going to be a big, big force. I I would think he's odds-on to take the training title for the second year in a row. But in my mind, the X factor to this Saratoga meet is Todd Pletcher because Pletcher had the oddest year so far that I've ever seen him have. I mean, yeah, he won the Derby he won the Belmont. So the general public says, oh, Todd's having a great year. He's not. Hmm. Uh, He has had more odds on horses go down the tubes. He had it happen yesterday uh, with a horse that was like three to five and finished fourth or fifth. And if you want a test case today in Todd, I'll give you one. Look at the fifth race, the number eight horse, Machismo. In a maiden special, the horse is from Winstar Farm and China Horse Club. Half a million dollar purchase. Really fast gate work at Saratoga leading up to its first start. If this horse fires, you say, okay, Todd's been saving the good stuff. But if it doesn't fire, you say, what's going on? You know what I mean? It's that kind of a thing. and You can either make money or lose a lot of it on Todd this summer. That's my take on
1: it. 24% for the year. Doesn't sound all that bad. But uh, of late, Al has uh, been keeping track and uh, doing the broadcast, which... Todd Pletcher's been involved with, and yeah, two different classic winners this year, uh, winning the Derby and the Belmont for, for Todd Pletcher. Al Bernstein's well, the, our guest. Go ahead, Al.
3: Yeah, no, the irony is he's, he's won with some prices, but he's had an inordinate number for Todd Pletcher, an inordinate number of short-priced horses that just didn't fire.
1: Yeah, okay.
3: That's and... what to watch.
1: And, uh, of course, he is always loaded for Saratoga. The first race, 10 o'clock our time at Saratoga, so 1 o'clock Eastern time. Al is going to be on time for that first race, Uh, opening weekend at Saratoga and at Del Mar. And, yeah, uh, you know, there was so much discussion there, say, uh, right around 2000. It's always been going on, uh, Del Mar or Saratoga, and they both have just, you know, fantastic uh, uh, backing points to... uh, to point two, to their, their greatness and their attractiveness. But uh, the racing is definitely better at Saratoga in the long run. Uh, you just can't deny that. Uh, but uh, Del Mar has its points, too. And arrogate's there today. Hey, what about uh, the fact if you go to Saratoga, to me, it sounds like you've got to at least stay overnight in town one time and uh, just kind of walk through the streets and, and stop in some of the regular
3: places. I'm sure you've done that, Al. Oh yeah, I mean, over the years I have, I kind of stay away from downtown these days. It's just a little too crazy, but uh, yeah, there's great restaurants and then it's, it's, you know, everything's a little bit pricier than it is the rest of the year up here because it's their season. But oh yeah, you can have great restaurants, great shops to go to. It's really a, a wonderful tourist attraction. The entire town is great.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, the track goes back to the 1860s or 70s, and the tradition is just fantastic. Uh, The stable area, the streets, uh, you know, just uh, reading and hearing and watching. And Al is going to be there today. Uh, Hey, you've got a plan of attack today. Uh, Yeah, when you go to a track for a pleasure, are you just going to go race to race? Have you done much homework for the card? I've got one
3: horse for you. Good. You want one one that I think is okay in the in the feature race, the Diana. The Diana today, okay. Okay, there's gonna be a lot of money going to Lady Eli and Dickinson, who ran one two in a race recently. But I am going to a horse, I believe it's the number four horse, Kidura. Okay. Uh, there was a summer a few years back at Saratoga where Graham Motion scored like four times at big prices with horses from germany and this horse that's where this horse is from he's uh, german ownership originally raced his first few races there he ran in the new york stakes the day before the belmont and in that race a horse named Hawksmore got he lulled the, f- the field to sleep with julian leper on a firm course he went one fifteen and two for six furlongs and this was a mile and quarter race and cadura was sitting a clear second under castellano I think Castellano didn't ride aggressively enough that day. It's, it, I know he's a four-time Eclipse Award winner, but I really didn't like his ride on this horse. I thought that Hawksmore was there for the taking, and he just let him get away. So he finishes a clear second in that race, Kadora, and uh, Hawksmore wins at 11-1. Today they switched to Junior Alvarado on this horse, who I think can be more aggressive. Uh, the only horse that really, really worries me in the race is the Chad Brown horse, Antono, the two-horse. Yeah, but uh, you know the two faves are probably going to be Lady Eli and Dickinson and or, and and Antino. Those will be the three favorites. This was the fourth choice. He's eight to one on the morning line, and I think that uh, he could fire today. She could oh. fire today, I should say.
1: Yeah, that is the half million dollar Diana at a mile and an eighth on the grass. Lady Eli eight for eleven lifetime, coming off a win in the game lane. Dickinson beat her. Beat Lady Eli in the Jenny Wiley at Keeneland in April, and then Antono with a huge win on Belmont Saturday in the Justa game. Anthony Stabile mm-hmm. gave us gave us that one. Uh, Al, uh, do you know Anthony Stabile
3: at all? I don't Holbert? really know him because okay. I'm not out at the track that much. Yeah. You know, these guys are up in the press box, and I'm in the TV trucks. So that's yeah.
1: What, that, that, that's uh, Why? Yeah, yeah. Ant- Anthony's uh, joined us. Uh, over the years on the show, and he's really had a good track record. He came up with Antonau on Belmont Day anyway, at 3-1, to 1, and I see, of course, Javier Castellano sticking with her after winning a grade one aboard her. but uh, nonetheless, uh, a great day at Saratoga. It's opening weekend, 11 races starting at 10 o'clock Emerald Downs time. It's a great day for local fans here, Al, because uh, Saratoga in the morning, Delmar in the afternoon, and we're running on Saturday nights in July, so we start at 6.30 our time, and if you're uh, if you're looking for something to do tonight, about 9.30 to uh, midnight Eastern, Al, just tune it into Emerald Downs because I know you are multi-talented with your uh, devices and your ability <laughs> to follow racing wherever you might be. So uh, keep you us... You name it,
3: Hong
2: Kong, um,
1: <laughs> South Africa, or Australia, I'm there. Well... That's great. Uh, and you guys uh, have your summer set up. That's uh, fantastic for, to promote racing on the NBC networks and uh, keep up the great work. And, and uh, pick some winners today at Saratoga. We'll take a look at Kadira there and the Diana for sure. We like the price angle, Al. And, uh, All right. Hey, thank you very much, my friend. Hey, thanks for joining us, Al. Talk to you down the road. Al Bernstein joining us. NBC sports producer and wow he's gonna go against uh, both lady Eli Dickinson all three of them Antono with Kadira who certainly is live in there Rob you can't say she's not live with their current record
0: no I it's it's a tough race it's only a field of six and uh, like gal said lady Eli and Dickinson are gonna be awfully tough to beat uh, they're gonna get the uh, they're gonna get a lot of wagering support I think Antino, uh, actually Antino is three to one the second choice on the line which I you know what? I kind of agree with. I think she's going to get a lot of support. Antono 's win in the Justa game was very impressive. Uh, you got Chad Brown and Castellano, so I th- I, if I had to bet the race or, or pick the most uh, obvious winner near to me, I think it's Antonno. Though I respect Lady Elian Dickinson quite a bit, and Kadira, Kadira is a is a price angle. I think Antino might be uh, might be the one that uh, we're talking about at the end of the year when it comes to uh, top filler Mary. Of course, she does have to stretch out to that nine furlong. She went on a mile last time out, but. Uh, uh, I think she, this is a horse with a lot of uh, potential, and uh, I, I was very impressed with her winning the Justin game last time out. She's two
1: for two in the U.S., trained by Chad Brown. Okay, we're going to come back with Steve Haskin, talk more thoroughbred racing. March to the mile later in the hour. This is The Win Play Show, KJR 950 AM.
2: You're listening to The Win Play Show, brought to you by Emerald Downs on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the win play show with Joe Withy and Rob Rowe on Sports Radio KJR. The win play show on a Saturday morning
1: and first race at Emerald Down 630 tonight. It is 70s night at the track and also dollar night as well. So uh, enjoy racing at Emerald Downs tonight. Eight races starting at 6.30. Of course, Saratoga in the morning, Del Mar in the afternoon. And speaking of 70s night, our next guest goes back to the the glory years of the 1970s. Yeah, we had a Triple Crown winner a couple of years ago. This guy was there for, I'm sure, uh, all three of those. Secretariat, Seattle Slew and Affirmed, and he even goes back farther. Some great rivalries in racing. And to get the place of Arrogate after only eight starts, his place in thoroughbred racing history, uh, let's talk with uh, the legendary Steve Haskin on the Win Play Show. Steve, good morning.
4: Hey, good morning.
1: Steve, great to have you on. Thanks for taking time today. Uh, Steve... Uh, Uh, What are you doing to keep busy these days? You've kind of wound down your blood horse career. And just to to make a little bit better introduction, uh, so many years with the blood horse, with the racing form before that, uh, the Red Smith Awards, the William Leggett Awards for Breeders' Cup coverage, five first-place American Horse Publication Awards, and you've written some great books on racing, and it's all led to induction into the National Museum of Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, just last year. Congratulations on that, Steve. I think you've enjoyed your career, Thank haven't you? you?
4: <laughs> I would say so. If you want to call it a career, to me, it's just an extension of my hobby from, <laughs> from the 1960s. That,
1: isn't that something? You know, I,
4: had found, I had found my passion. Uh, I had given up basically uh, uh, baseball and just wasn't getting the kicks out of regular sports as I had. And I discovered racing uh, through a friend and it hit me right away. That always became my passion, and it became my hobby. It's all I could think about. And the next thing I know, it became my, uh, my career, which led to this. Yeah. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing.
1: Fantastic. I don't well, know how,
4: but it happened.
1: <laughs> What a, Okay, just to sidetrack a little bit, uh, to become a writer and a journalist, and, and as well as you've done, did you have any background in that when you got started in the sport?
4: Uh, I had none to tell you the truth. Um, my father actually was a very good writer, except that his career was an engineer, but the things he wrote were mm. were uh, were brilliant. but no, it was just something that I think I think the passion came out, and I guess it was, you know maybe it was born in me from my father. but you know, I just started out. I was certainly not a very good writer when I started I started actually writing letters to the Thorurbid Record. And then little things here and there, and started doing freelance and columns, and it just kept expanding, and I was always in the right place at the right time. Uh, but no, no, no degrees in journalism, no degrees in English. That's all my wife's doing. Um, she has all the, uh, she has all the degrees. I just basically let, you know, let my, uh, my passion for the sport come through, and it just, um uh, yeah, I've just nurtured it over the years and tried to improve my writing, and somehow I became a writer. Well, <laughs> that's about, that's well, about all I can say.
1: Let's face it, with your education, and that uh, you did have an innate ability that you nurtured and, and of course, improved over the years. And, uh, uh, Steve, uh, a legendary guy in this sport. Um, and you worked for the Thoroughbred Record, did you? As well in the
4: uh... I, I freelanced. Yeah, okay. I I, uh, I did. I was a feature writer for them. I did a lot of freelance uh, writing. Um, that's how I got to meet uh, Mark Simon, who founded the Thoroughbred Times, and became a regular writer and feature writer for them. And did a lot of covered New Jersey racing and did C- Triple Crown and Breeders' Cup coverage. Um, and then the, you know, I've been working for the Racing Form for twenty years, and they finally decided to have me come in the editorial department and write. So I came in the editorial department, started writing features, and then Joe Hirsch uh, suggested I take over his Derby Doing's column in 1994. 94. Uh, so I did, and I became the regular, you know, basically the national correspondent covering all the big races, and then I went on to the Blood Horse in pretty much the same uh, capacity. And to tell you the truth, now that I'm semi-retired, I think I'm doing more writing now. I mean, <laughs> I've been writing, you know, 10, 11 columns a month um, from January to, April, uh, to late April. Um, I do my derby dozen wow. every week, which has become pretty popular. And that takes, that takes a lot of time. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I've been doing a lot of writing, but I write what I want to, when I want to, with nobody looking over my shoulder, and it gives me more freedom.
1: That's great. Steve Haskin, our guest, and uh, just one other question about the thoroughbred record uh when i first started following racing in the early 70s pretty closely uh they they published uh, once a year performance rates on horses uh and i'm sure you remember mm-hmm. those uh and yeah. of course that was well before the buyer figures uh came out in the form in, in mass in the early 90s but uh the performance rates, I remember people at Long Acres, if they had those, they, feel, they felt they kind of had an edge on everybody. And uh, you remember those? Yeah, I do.
4: I mean, uh, yeah, they were great. Yeah, I thought they were, they were ahead of their time. Mm. Uh, you have to remember, you know, they had a pretty intense rivalry with the Blood Horse. You know, they did all through the years. You know, they were both um, very well-respected weeklies, um, and they, they were both in Kentucky, elections in Kentucky, and they competed each other against each other. And they go back, you know, before the before the uh, the uh, the twentieth century. I mean, they go back into the uh, eighteen hundreds. They've been around for a long time. Steve, both, like I said, both well well established, and then eventually um, the suburban record just uh, just uh, folded after a while.
1: And uh, you know, you go back uh, just to the sixties, and we've talked about it before, but it was such a great rivalry, and. And since it was uh, maybe the first that you were part of and experienced, because uh, we have Arrogate now and we had Seattle Slew and Affirmed and, and some great rivalries, uh, the Easy Goer and Sunday Silence. But how about the, the Buck Passer-Damascus-Dr. Fager period in the 60s? And I think when I talked to you before, that's kind of right when you started your interest in racing and those three horses were going at it, those three greats.
4: Yeah, exactly. You had three, he had three horses of the year and Hall of Famers meeting in that one race. The actual rivalry itself was Damascus and Dr. Fager because they were from the same crop, okay. um, and they met each other four times in, in, you know, four epic races. And a lot of people came away from the Woodward Stakes empty because they were expecting some historic, uh, epic finish between the three great horses. And, of course, they blamed the use of the rabbits in there, but Damascus wound up it was in unbelievable shape. And Dr. Fager wasn't quite uh, ready for a mile and a quarter against those horses. He wasn't the Dr. Fager we saw as a four-year-old. He just got so unbelievable at four. But Damascus at three was as good as him, along with Secretary the two best three-year-olds I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. People don't realize what Damascus accomplished, but he was destroying his rivals. He won the Travers by 22 lengths. Uh, equaling a track record, and he, he won all his races by huge margins, and he was just such a dynamic horse, and he's the horse that got, actually got me interested in horse racing uh, because of a friend of mine who was a big Damascus fan, and I naturally became one myself. But that, that rivalry was uh, was intense. To me, one of the best pet cartoons I ever saw was he he showed a, a shipwreck, and you see the ship is sinking, um, and you see these two survivors, and they're both hanging on to uh, debris, in the ocean, and one survivor is, and one person is saying to the other person, you're crazy, I still say Damascus is better (laughs) than Dr. Fager.
1: (laughs) I I haven't seen that one, that is great. Yeah, Damascus won uh, something like $800,000 in one year in the 60s, I remember that, and Secretary did that as well, and that's like arrogate totals of nowadays, but... uh, yeah, tremendous rivalry, and Steve was there for that. Arrogate
4: <laughs> averages more than that in. Uh, a, 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 he averages more than that a furlong.
1: <laughs> you figured that out? I know it's two million per start or more because he has seventeen million in eight starts. Uh, and is he uh, is? You know, I mean, I'm putting him with what he's done in the last several months, just to win all those races. Uh, You've got to look at the competition because, of course, we just talked about those three greats from the 60s, and Seattle slew and Affirm were certainly uh, all-time greats. Uh, is Arrogate beating enough competition right now to just place him up there? Or, you know, where do you have him in history right now?
4: Well, you know, I don't like to rank horses in history until they retire because, we, you know, it, it's so hard wireless to You know, he still has several races to go, um, including Trey obviously. But, you know, and... and Basically, we're talking at four races. I mean, because his earlier races were allowances and maiden races, and you really can't judge him from that. Mm-hmm. But in the four races we're judging him by, he's won his four races in so many different ways that he's taken on the persona of a different great horse each yeah. time. Um, he's just he's just a composite of almost every great horse I've ever wow. seen. You know, And you mentioned competition. Yeah. Um, uh, to me, what he's done is, as far as competition has been pretty amazing. If you look at uh, the horses he's defeated, uh, just looking at the grade one winners, uh, you know you got Travers winner, Keen Ice. He, he beat by, not only beat them, but he beat Keen Ice by 11 and 11 and a quarter lengths. Uh, Jockey Club Gold Cup winner, Opportunity, he beat by 11 and a half lengths. The Stephen Foster winner, Noble Bird, he beat by 14 and a quarter lengths. Gun Runner, who we all know what a tremendous horse he is uh he beat by 15 lengths uh melatonin won the sandy the handicap and the sandy the gold cup he beat him by 15 and three quarters he beat trusted and won the met mile like like one of the greatest performances of all time and then won the whitney and um he beat trusted by 19 and a quarter lengths connect won the cigar mile he beat him by 21 and three quarter lengths belmont stakes winner creator he beat by 21 and three quarter lengths i can keep going on and on F and X. he beat by 20 how about exaggerator when the Preakness, Sandy, the Derby in Haskell. He beat him by 33 lengths. And I'm not even including California Chrome, who he beat by 29 and a half lengths. So oh he gosh. doesn't just beat these horses. He, he beats them by double, double-digit double margins. He absolutely demolishes them.
1: Wow. And uh, and then Shaman Ghost is a pretty darn good horse himself, and he's beaten him mm-hmm. also. And and. and Wow, that is quite a list, as you can see Steve Haskin does his homework, and I just uh, he watch only it.
4: Be, he only beat shaman Ghost by four and a half lengths, so yeah. I't did include
1: <laughs> <laughs> right and uh, shaman ghost you know uh, without without arrogate uh, on the scene he is and he 's had a pretty he 's going to have a pretty good bank role as well but that is really something right there, what Steve Haskin just uh, outlined on Arrogate, and his money is there because of these purses. But uh, And you said, uh, you know, he won the Travers on the lead, and then he gets left in the Dubai World Cup, and... Uh, California Chrome had him beat in the Breeders' Cup Classic, but he mustered uh, up enough. uh, uh, So you've got him pretty high up there right now, and I do too. I mean, I just, uh, what he's done in topping it off with the Dubai World Cup with just uh, being compromised at the start, Uh, pretty special horse. And then you got Bob Baffert tied to him. Bob Baffert, Mike Smith, Arrogate, how much of the purse money do they have the last six months, Steve? I mean, is it two thirds? What's going on here?
4: Oh my my God! Especially Mike Smith. I mean, yeah. uh, he. I mean, Mike Smith is like he's winning a million dollars every single weekend. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But um, but I mean, you look like you said you look at uh, you look at Arrogate when he ran in the Breeders' Cup Classic. We really didn't know what to expect. You know, he ran, Everything was based on that one race. Was that mm-hmm. Travis just an absolute fluke? I mean, to destroy the, uh, yep. such a long tra- uh, 37-year-old track record and to win by that uh, the biggest margin, and almost second biggest margin in Travers' history, but to win the way he did, was, nobody was expecting that. He had never run farther than a mile and the 16th. So to put him right into the Breeders' Cup Classic off a t- uh, two-and-a-half-month two and layoff after that and California Chrome at the top of his game there's no way in the world he should have beaten California Chrome at the head of the stretch. California Chrome put everybody away and was just coasting on the lead and was drawing off like he was going to win. And how arrogant wound up catching him. I mean, he had to come home this last quarter in like 24-1 and one to beat him, which is unheard of for a horse, such a lightly raced horse. Yeah. So, I mean, to have to uh, accomplish that was amazing. You know, and then he breaks a track record at the at, uh, at, – Gulfstream and the Pegasus. And then, of course, obviously in the Dubai World Cup, he did something I, I, I've never seen before. I mean, to get left at the gate, yeah, everybody thinks of Seattle's flew in the Kentucky Derby. Seattle's flu just quickly pulled his way through everybody and had the lead by the time they passed the finish line the first time. He fell back to 14th. Everybody was expecting him to be on the lead or running second, and here he is 14th, and he's some 18-whatever lengths off the pace and looked like he was actually dead in the water. And he just blew by everybody and just won going away, beating a really, really good horse and gun runner. And we've, we've seen what gun runner has done in, in his races since then. So we know how good, how good a horse he is. So, uh, you know, I just never know what to expect from this horse. You know, he's up against some, he's up against some decent horses today, giving them nine, 10, 11 pounds at a distance. That's probably shorter than he wants to go. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, they're not going to try and win this race by eight nine lengths. I'm sure Mike Smith, if, you know, if he can, uh, will allow him to, you know, coast home. They don't want to. Uh, they don't want him to peak now when he got to Pacific Classic. So,
2: yeah.
4: Uh, you know, I, you know, if he wins by three, if he wins by three lengths, everybody'll say, oh, you know, what's the matter with him? Like they did with yeah. Songbird. God, gosh, he only won by a length.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, but you know, listen, when they win, they win. But if he uh, this is just a prep race, that's all. And um, and you never know when the horse race.
1: Yeah, but exactly. He sh- obviously,
4: he should win, and he should win pretty comfortably, even giving away weight. In fact, he's fortunate. He's in with 126 pounds. When you talk about the 1970s. This was the 1970s to be carrying 134.
1: Yeah, four-go numbers. Are, yeah, exactly. Steve Haskin, our guest. Steve has written books on Dr. Fager, John Henry, Kelso, uh, Tales from the Triple Crown. Um, you know, we you, you mentioned earlier, it's tough to put a horse's final place in history until he retires. But, you know, trainers don't retire at too young of a age. But is Bob Baffert going to go down as the greatest trainer in thoroughbred history? Well, he's
4: right up there. He's right up there with uh, Lucas. Um, and, yeah, I mean, listen, you can go back and, you know, it's hard to compare him to a trainer like Ben Jones, who won all those derbies with Calumet. Uh, Max Hirsch and Sonny Jim Fitzsimmons, but it's a different game now. You know, Wayne Lucas changed the entire game. With, you, know, you have these mega stables. So Bob Afford doesn't even have, he doesn't have like a Todd Fletcher, Steve Asmussen type stable where they have hundreds and hundreds of horses, but my goodness, every single year he unveils some kind of freaky type horse, um, so you got to give him all the credit. He, he, he knows how to pick them out. He has the right people helping him pick out horses and Listen, he, trained, he trains horses hard. He trains old school mm-hmm. methods like a Max Hirsch or a John Gaver or Sonny Jeff Fitzsimmons. And they will train their young horses hard to uh, cull them out. And the ones that can't really stand up to it, well, you know, they, they relegate it. They either get sold or they are relegated to uh, cheaper races. Mm-hmm. But the ones that can withstand the training and throw in those 58 and change 111 workouts, by the time they get to races like the der- you know, Derby and the Triple Crown races, they are dead fit and sharp and toughened, and they're very hard to beat. So when they like when they survived Bob Baffert's training, uh, they're 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 good horses. They're very good horses. But nobody could have predicted Arrogate. I mean, he won he won an allowance race at Del Mar by a length and three quarters against two horses. Right. And there was no way in the world you could predict what was going to happen stretching out to a mile and a quarter in the. Travers against the best three-year-olds in the country, but I mean, nobody could have foreseen the show that he put on.
1: No, I I saw Unbridled Song and I thought, uh, well, no, I'm I'm going to go somewhere else. And I I had bet Gunrunner in the Derby, so I took Gunrunner in the Travers. And I thought, what the heck mm-hmm. looked like Gunrunner fired there, and he's 16 lengths behind this horse. Who is this horse? Oh, it
4: was freaky. It really was. It, it really was freaky. I mean, <laughs> I had never seen. The, I'd never seen anything like that. I mean, I was about as shocked as anyone. I know Baffert was high on him, and we, you know when Baffert gets high on a horse, they're usually good horses. But even he couldn't have foreseen that kind of a performance.
1: Steve Haskin, our guest. You know, Steve, what's the next uh, live race you're going to attend? Do you have that planned at this point? I haven't really thought
4: about it yet. Yeah, okay. you know, I'm just taking it. Uh, I'm just taking it day by day, and um, I just basically go to any race that I feel like going. I don't get. Uh, I I I decided that not being uh, not covering these races for a publication, mm-hmm. um, I don't apply for credentials. I don't want to just be given a favor by saying, "Oh yeah, okay, we'll give them credentials just for the heck of it." Um, oh, okay. I, I just don't believe in that. If I'm not earning them by covering the race, so um, well. so basically, if I if I want to go to the Breeders' Cup, you know, it's on my own penny and. That's basically what I have, and he's being semi-retired, so it's not easy to, you know, I don't have the luxury of uh, going for the blood horse and getting uh, free transportation, free uh, um, free hotels and free meals and stuff like that. So um, I'm, con- I'm content. Very good. Watching well, from afar
1: any track would be honored to have you there and, and make observations. Well, well, yeah, just make observations on uh, what's going on at the track and, uh, you know, the good and the bad. We uh, like to hear from an honest guy and a guy with your experience and, uh, boy, boy, you can go a lot of directions. With Steve Haskin, Racing History and uh, Arrogate in action today. I know you'll be watching and uh, we will follow his career, but it's been spectacular before and, and thanks for the historical perspective, Steve, very much. Uh, my pleasure, sir. We'd like to talk to you again down the road, and uh, you have a great weekend, and uh, thanks for everything you've done in this sport. It's uh, enhanced the well, game. Thank you.
4: I appreciate it. Good luck to uh, everybody up, in, uh, up up your way. Yeah. One of these days I hope to get out there.
1: Very good. Thank you, Steve. Take Steve care. Askin joining us on the Win Play Show. A
0: little racing history there, Rob. That guy has been around the block. Very much so. Just a wealth of information and uh, outstanding guest. We're lucky to have him on the show and uh, outstanding rider. Very much look forward to any time he has a, any kind of piece out on the blood horse. Uh, uh, just a, a tremendous rider. Like you said, a, a huge asset to uh, to, uh, to the game.
1: Yes, indeed, and I know you followed uh, his Derby Dozen pretty closely every year, and I, I, uh, yeah, I do too. I catch it and go the other way, the wrong way. (laughs) Okay, hey, we're going to play March to the Mile. So far, Gold Rush Dancer and Barkley have been chosen. The Mile is three weeks and a day away. Uh, Adam, should we uh, uh, take a break, come back with a question, or should we do it right now? What do you think? Okay, let's give out the question right now. Um, so at Emerald Downs, Shauna Van Ustam won with Kid Catabatic. Doris Harwood, of course, won with Noosa Beach. Janet Wig won with uh, Adventuresome Love in Yakima. Uh, but who was the first woman trainer to win the Long Acres Mile? 1-800-829-0950. 206-286-9595. 286 9595 one 1-800-029-829-0950. Give Adam a call. We'll be right back. KJR
2: 950 AM.
1: You're listening to the Win Play Show. Brought to you by
2: Emerald Downs on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to the Win Play Show with Joe Withey and Rob Rao on Sports Radio KJR. The Win
1: Play Show. On KGR 950 AM. And this has proven to be a tough question. Uh, Yeah, it's not easy. Frances Keller is the answer, so we're going to go with a different question. She won the only filly in the race in the 1940 running. Pala Squaw, a three-year-old filly, won the mile. And she also won with Ambolyn, who won twice, 46 and 48. She was the first woman leading trainer at Long Acres. She is a historical figure in Washington racing and... uh, it went all the way to uh, Janet Wig at the Yakima Years with Adventuresome Love. And then again, Shauna Van Ustam and Doris Harwood. So, okay. We'll, uh, let's, uh, let's do something else here. Um, let's go with who's the oldest horse to win the Long Acres Mile. Uh, and there are a couple of horses that have uh, reached this age and won. So give Adam a call. At the station, 1 800 829 0950. 1 800 829 0950. Oldest horse to win the mile. There's, uh, there's a few of them. Okay, uh, do that, and Rob and I will chat here. Hey, once again, night racing tonight here at Emerald Downs, and it's a dollar days, dollar beers, dollar hot dogs. Let's uh, let's go to the racing form a little bit, Rob. I don't know uh, how much prep work you do. The morning you you study I've all done, this. Stuff. I've, got, I've
0: done some prep work here. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a good card today. Eight races. We've got the feature race which for older horses. And I was just kind of looking through the, the card again because I'm always a couple days ahead and uh, trying to figure out maybe if we do have the, the possibility of have another another uh, pick seven carryover. Of course, it got hit uh, yesterday with a, what a couple winning tickets of over a little over eleven thousand dollars. I think it was three tickets. Okay, yeah, so three mm-hmm. there and. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think a big part of the the multi race uh, wagers are going to go through. Oh, marvelous me! He looks like he's going to be a pretty big favorite in the feature. Um, he's going to be a pretty short price. I'm disappointed by the price right there. I oh, was
1: hoping for more.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I I but. think he I think he's going to be a pretty short price yeah. in there. I think you know you've got Grinder Sparks of Glows coming off a good win. You got Grand Palais, his stable mate, um, who's got a decent chance in here, and then you got the press. Um, dropping down in class uh, again, but uh, you know his last out was maybe a little bit disappointing. He got Hit the beach, who, you know, after breaking his maiden and then coming back against uh, allowance foes, ran a very good third behind uh, some good horses. So, uh, you know, I I, I think Oh Marvelous Me does get the job done again, but uh, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't knock anybody for taking maybe a shot. He's against them, and um, uh, I, I think like he's going to be he's going to be a very short price. I think. Yeah, I mean he he was
1: flattered last night by Wine at Nine as well. Wine at Nine's only lost twice. Four wins at the meeting. Mike Man's Gold won one of the races. Oh, Marvelous Me the other. Oh, Marvelous Me's three for four at the meeting. He's in the Blaine Wright barn. Jose Zanino back up. Uh, that horse, that son of Bluegrass Cat, is really going well. Uh, Hey, let's go to the phone lines. I think we have a winner in March to the Mile, our third qualifier. And is it Steve? CJ. CJ's on. Uh, CJ.
4: Hey. Hey, good morning, Rob and Joe. Good
1: morning, CJ. CJ. You're over at breakfast at the wire, aren't you?
2: I'm out in the car, waiting to go inside. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well, hey, could you turn your radio down just a little bit there, CJ? Absolutely. I'll turn it right off. Okay. (laughs) Hey. You have got the What is one of the answers on uh, the oldest horse to win the mile?
2: Uh, awesome gem at 8 years old.
1: Okay, very good. What a horse. He's the richest horse ever to run in Washington. Nearly $3 million earned when he appeared for the 2011 mile and beat the vaunted, fantastic Noosa Beach, who was on a 2-year roll David Floor is up for Craig DeLossi in 2011, also going back in history. Little Rolo won as an 8-year-old in '51, and Gigantic won as an 8-year-old in 1959. So CJ is in, March to the Mile. Congratulations. And uh, CJ, Thank a regular you. over at Breakfast at the Wire, part of the Emerald Racing Club as well. Yep. Gold Rush Dancer and Barkley have been chosen. Uh, you got a pick for us, CJ? After that race
4: on Sunday in the Mount Rainier, I think I have to go with Mach mm-hmm. 1 rules.
1: Yeah, I would be taking him. I know Rob would be taking him at this point. The California horses, the Canadian horses, still a little bit in question. As usual, three weeks and a day out. But Mach 1 mm-hmm. rules has never been better. Uh, as he's no. Came, he's won the last two seasons. Came, he came flying at the end. That was incredible. And you know, CJ, he's going to be shortening up in the mile from a mile and a sixteenth, oh, yeah. and that's not going to mm-hmm. hurt him with his great
2: speed. Mm-hmm. So not one bit.
1: I think you are happy with your third pick, <laughs> and uh, you are in. A $100 win wager from Emerald Downs when Mach 1 rules when and if he makes the gate for the 82nd Long Acres mile. CJ, thanks again for being a great racing you? fan.
2: You're very welcome, Joe. You have a lovely day. See You over at breakfast for the wire. Yep, I'll be
1: over there in just a few minutes. CJ's in. Rob and uh, he was pretty much odds on.
0: Uh, Mach One Rules was today. Oh, big favorite to be selected today, and uh, nice pick by him. Able to get him with the third, uh, the third selection, and uh, I'm with you. I think if I had, if it was my, uh, if I was the contestant today, I would have selected him as well. He was uh, ultra impressive last time out in the Mount Rainier, and he's he's going great guns right now. He's uh, he's he's the local horse to beat, and we'll kind of we'll kind of see who ships in. But right now, uh, locally, he is he's the one. Rev Racing, Roy and Ellie Schaefer, Frank Lucarelli, Isaiah Enriquez, Mach 1 Rules.
1: Uh, everything going great in that camp toward the 82nd Long Acres Mile. Thanks to Adam down at the station. Our guests on the show, Al Bernstein, Steve Haskins. CJ's in March to the Mile. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back tomorrow morning at 8, the Win Place Show, KJR
2: 950 AM. You're listening to the Win Place Show, brought to you by Emerald Downs on Sports Radio 950 KJR.